0: You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and your resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Please check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So this is my third attempt to try to um, not talk about the active terrorism going on in Kenosha and just try to focus on Aaron Rodgers. And I believe in myself. I believe that I can simply keep my mouth shut and not go on a tirade about the men and women living in terror in Kenosha right now because of sociopaths and I can just talk about A.J. Dylan's quads. I believe in myself. I can do this. I'm quickly running out of time, but I'm sure that this time around I'm going to be able to do it. Maybe if I promise myself to start a sec- separate podcast where I can talk about how I don't feel that active terrorism is the best way to respond to grief Maybe then I'll allow myself the opportunity to not focus on people who are now being shot and killed and whose lives are being ruined in Kenosha and just focus on uh, Malik Taylor and his one catch in training camp. I'm pretty sure I can do it this time. I, I am quite positive that this time is going to be the one, man. Oh, boy. Oh, I just, you know, i got to just wake up and come down here. I I don't know why my default is, let's see what's going on on Twitter. You know what's going on on Twitter. Distractions and horrible things. Just drink your nasty cold coffee and do your dumb podcast. Crying out loud, I have the easiest job in the world, and I can't even do it. <sighs> How you guys doing? I'm doing great. Son's birthday was good yesterday, so that's cool. Family came over and whatnot. You know... Just normal life kind of things, not uh, not burning down cities or anything fun like that. Saving that for after the baby's born, I have a lot more free time on my hands. There's actually an apartment building right next door where they got like those garbage dumpsters. I figured I'll just light those on fire or something. Nothing too crazy, but just enough to terrify everyone and, you know, make sure the kids are scared. And don't want them sleeping at night or anything. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm not deleting this. We're going to forge ahead. We're going to do this. Most important thing in the world, Green Bay Packers training camp. I got this. Oh, so that is what we're talking about. Shut your mouth, phone. This dumb alarm clock like I'm even halfway in the mood for your nonsense. This is my 60th alarm by this point in the day. So I'm even on a normal day, I am really fed up with my phone going off. Training camp was good. So thanks for tuning into the podcast. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it sounds like it was, it was good. There's a lot of good notes and whatnot. That's what we're talking about. Um, I did get out the links to the Fantasy Football, so if you are a patron, and granted, the way I did it probably wasn't the smartest, but it was the easiest for me, and I I guess I chose to be lazy as opposed to, you know, um, making sure that things go smoothly. So rather than sending people directly, here's your link, I just threw it up on Patreon, so now anybody that is a patron has access to these links, and it's possible that some people joined that weren't a part of it which I guess is fine, but we'll just have to sort it out. Um, One of the things does say this Saturday is going to be the draft. I'm going to change that. Again, going to wait until after the baby's. I'm just pushing everything off, man. That's just my my excuse for everything. I'll do it after the baby's born. I'm I'm taking time off. I'm not working. You know, whatever. Also, we should probably set a date that works for everybody. I don't know how we're going to do that. Could do the Slack thing or something, but anyways. Um, Also, Patreon hit me up, and they're like, hey, we're starting this thing where we can do annual memberships. Um, so instead of month to month, it's an annual thing. So if you'd like to do that, uh, I I actually just had somebody recently offer to, I mentioned this already, but was like, Hey, look, I just want to pay up ahead of time. Now you can do that. And it comes with a discount. I forgot what it, I think it was like 16% was just the default. And I'm like, I don't know, that just must be a thing. So it's cheaper. So if you're doing, you know, $5 a month for the entire year, it's going to be more cost effective. Although I don't, personally, I don't like it. I like the monthly thing. I don't like the blast of, income. I I I don't know. It's fine though. It's 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 for you. It's whatever you are more interested. In. It's an option they provided and I figure I would pass that along to you. Um uh, ma, ma, ma 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 singing in a store and I'm singing I got some sweet pipes, bro. For real. For real, for real. This is what a podcast sounds like when you've given up, by the way. <laughs> so per the uh the schedule that I talked about, I believe I talked about the I don't know. There is not going to be practice today. So actually, this would be an opportune um, time. I've got ideas of things I want to talk about, but this would be a great time if you want to reach out and ask some questions. We can do a QA and a tomorrow. I think that would actually be fun. There are a billion and one ways to reach out to me. I've got the phone number, which would actually be great. There is a phone number in the description you can call, and I will play your voicemail. Please try to keep it under like 30 seconds if possible. I know for some of you, <laughs> you require three voicemails. The only problem with that is I need to set aside a really long period of time. And that's fine. If you want to do that, that's cool. I know some of you have like a mail route. I know this sounds oddly specific, but it's because I'm talking to one person in particular. But just in general, if it's like a 15-second clip, I'll listen to it on the spot. If it's three voicemails, it's like, all right, I got to wait until I have time. And then sometimes I just don't have time and then I forget. And then I never even, never, never even get to listening to it. And I apologize for that, but it's just a reality of life. But I would like that ability to be able to play your question and answer your question. I think that would be kind of cool. Nobody seems to want to do it, but I want to do it. So please call. And it—I I don't even care what the question. I was thinking about doing this on YouTube too, um, doing like a live stream Q&A. The problem is very few people ever show up to those. But I thought that would be fun. And it does not have to be Packers-related questions. Just keep it funky. But that's a separate conversation. I'm all over the place, man. I'm all—I'm off, off my. Flipping rocker right now is what i'm off of i'm coming down off my adrenaline high is, <laughs> is what's happening right now i was all amped up this morning i am proud of myself for deleting those episodes though that's good to, way to go me i don't know what else ask me questions uh we'll, we'll try to do A Q&A tomorrow otherwise i will just um talk about whatever i feel like either way is fine it's what i do 99.9 percent of the time anyways Let's just take a break, and we'll get into training camp, because this clearly, this ranting clearly isn't heading in any particular direction. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right. So as I said, lots of notes today. Um, some of these are a little bit duplicated. It was kind. Of, it's it's really hard, as I've mentioned before, to kind of split up who gets the note. And I try to focus on first of all the people that matter more. So if Jordan Love threw a pass to Devonte, I'll probably get. Well, I don't know. It depends. That's a bad example because we know Devonte's solid. We're curious about Jordan Love's development. But you get you get my dilemma, right? Where if it's Boyle to, I don't know, MVS, I'll probably give it to MVS because I'm curious about whether or not MVS is going to make the team, and I already know Boyle's the number two quarterback, and I don't care. But then sometimes, like, you know, I want to give it to the wide receivers instead of Aaron Rodgers because we know about Aaron Rodgers, but the tweet is specifically about what a great throw it was from Aaron Rodgers, so it's more of a Rodgers tweet. So sometimes I just duplicate it, and it, it makes it easier because... You know, 18 people will tweet the same thing in in different ways. So I'll take one tweet that highlights Rogers and give it to Rogers, and one tweet that highlights Darius Shepherd and give it to Shepherd. So again, some of these are kind of duplicated. So don't think these are every single one of them is an isolated thing. Some of them are. It just is what it is. I'm, I'm trying to do my best to give a full picture, but also highlight what each individual person did well, but also kind of pay attention to. You know, if so-and-so did this and this guy was in coverage, especially negative. So what I'll usually do is give the positive to that person, but pay attention to the negative because there's always a negative side. So, you know, kind of keep a running tally in your head as I say, you know, Ento was in coverage. Okay, well, I'm not going to read that note for Ento because I'm not going to give bad news to him. I, I guess I shouldn't say that. Sometimes I do if it's an isolated thing. I don't know what I'm talking about. Let's just go through the stupid notes, all right? Can we just do this and you stop interrupting me for crying out loud with your questions? So today, uh, yesterday, was a heavy work day. They had 39 plays in 11-on-11, 11 11, three consecutive team drills. The The total time was two hours and three minutes, by far the longest. They have not crossed the two-hour threshold. I think like an hour and 45 minutes-ish is kind of usually on the long end, somewhere between an hour and 15 and an hour and uh, 45 is kind of the general time, and with 45 being kind of long, so over two hours is... And, you know, they, they had a light day yesterday, and they have a day off today. Or, you know Two days ago, they had a light day. Today, they have a day off. So kind of sandwiched in between that is we're going to hit it pretty hard. Makes sense, right? They know what they're doing. On the injury front, a couple notes. Uh, Rick Wagner will miss his fourth straight to practice. Z'Darrius Smith and Jair were in pads. Raven Green was also not practicing for the second straight day. is still out. He'll probably be out for some time. Again, he had a walking boot. As of two days ago, he was still limping, so um Curtis Bolton and Patrick Taylor two guys that have been out this this by the way was inside Lambeau Field so they had them running stadium stairs which you know when you're trying to make the team and you're kind of already on the outside of the bubble and you're not getting any practice time you better hit those stairs hard man (laughs) there better be some real good tape of you hitting those stairs if you're gonna make the team I mean I hate to make light of it but that's that's rough And then um, during practice, there were some notes on Willington Pavilion. He's had some decent highlights over the last several days. Um, First note, he was shaken up. Then they took him to the locker room. And then later it says, he came out of the locker room, has his helmet on, looks ready to go. We'll see if he returns. I didn't hear any notes beyond that. But either way, that's just kind of a a thing. And if there was practice today, I would guess Willington would probably not be a part of it. Usually the way that they've been doing this is if you kind of got shaken up, let's just take a day. Not a big deal. Um, But with the day off, it's possible on Thursday we'll see him back at it, especially considering he is clearly a bubble guy, probably, again, on the outside of that bubble, but is making a strong push to get inside of the bubble. And so the Green Bay Packers would probably love to give him the opportunity, and I'm sure he would love to take the opportunity. So um, assuming there's no serious injuries or whatnot, I'm guessing we'll probably see him back on Thursday. Just a guess, though. I don't know. Um, Before we get into this, I do want to talk, uh, before I forget, about Kenny Clark's contract. Kind of a random spot to put it. But um, I forgot until now, so we're going to do it now. So the contract is structured like most um, Green Bay Packers contract. You know, if you don't follow him already, Ken Ingalls is sort of the Packers' self-appointed cap guy, but um, he's, he's been nominated by the community. I don't think anyone's trying to take his job. He does a good job. But I just want to read this little note here. Um, it says, the Kenny Clark contract is super team-friendly. The first two years' cash is only $28.8 million. No guarantees outside of the signing bonus, which, again, is pretty common. They give you a guarantee, and then they basically give you that in the form of a check. So at that moment, your guarantees are burned up. Now, they still have to pay that that signing bonus, because that gets spread out over the length of the contract. In Kenny's case, I believe it's over five years, this year plus the four-year extension. But outside of, of what's owed by the Packers, essentially in terms of cap space, in terms of cash to Kenny Clark, nothing is guaranteed. Uh, it says the team could move on after two years, gain $5.7 million in cap space, and avoid $48.9 million in future payments. Unreal. Likely set up to be restructured in 2022. So obviously nobody's expecting Kenny to go anywhere. Um, it's just, he's just kind of given insights into how this is structured. And, and again, it's, it's very Packers-esque. The salary cap hit per year this year 6.69 and i'm trying to remember i could swear i think it was seven something i believe kenny clark was seven something million this year so we actually saved money by paying kenny clark and um i kind of figured because you have to pay at least five million that i mean if we save a little bit of money it's not going to be much and i kind of figured it would be slightly more instead of slightly less but basically it's the five million dollars that has to be spread out over five years because he got a 25 million dollar check so that has to get paid. And then on top of that, it's just a base salary of $1.69 million. So, you know, whatever. Then next year, in 2021, $7.1 million is all we have to pay the guy. So if you think about it, you know, it's, it's always scary to kind of backload contracts. But there's a couple of different factors. And a lot of people are pointing to 2022 is when some people project Rodgers might be out the door. It's not impossible, but the Packers don't. Here, here's the problem. The Packers don't know for sure that they're moving on, right? Even if they would like to. Even if ideally Jordan Love is the guy and they're able to get this all figured out and everything, they don't know he might be absolute garbage, and they understand that. I mean, you know, they they liked um, Brett Hundley. Granted, that was a I think a fourth or fifth round pick, and they traded up to get. Um, but they also liked Deshaun Kaiser, who was a early second round pick. They uh, there was rumors they wanted to take him instead of Kevin King, but decided on Kevin King. The first thing, the, the very first thing, if you want to know who liked the idea of taking uh, Deshaun Kaiser over Kevin King, first order of business by Brian Gutekunst when he takes over, trades away Demarius Randall, who he didn't care for, and goes out and gets Deshaun Kaiser. But the point is, that didn't work either. So they understand there's no guarantees here. So that's why I'm kind of backing away from that. I don't think that's necessarily the case. They're not going to base a contract on um, Aaron Rodgers has to leave now. I think this has more to do with the fact that this is when they expect the salary cap to spike. Remember, there was supposed to be, prior to coronavirus, a massive spike in um, television revenue deals and all this kind of stuff, starting in like 2021. But now they're pro- that's not really going to happen because of the loss of revenue. they got to kind of eat that money. So I think this is based on a projection of the amount of money they're going to have in 2022. There's also in 2021, because they could have spread it out a little bit, but I think they also have to look at the fact of who else is about to get paid, right? We know there's a lot of guys looking for money, and this this is actually exactly what I talked about. If, if you think about um, the fact that you can kind of backload a contract so that you get two years, you can stagger them, right? If, if you got Kenny, who's 2020 and 2021, he's not a, an impact. Then let's just say you have uh, David Bakhtiari, and you pay him in 2021, and you structure his contract similarly. Well, then he's Um, not an impact from 2020 until 2020, uh, until 2023, right? Because 2021 and 2022, he's getting paid like, you know, six, seven, eight million, whatever it is, right? A really low amount like Kenny, because Bakhtiari is probably a $20 million tackle. I know I said that about Kenny as well, but I just, I don't know. He doesn't have to get 20, but I just, I would be stunned if he's not getting 20. But again, you, you structure it so that you don't have overlapping Kenny and Bakhtiari contracts until 2023 at which point you got you know 21 million dollar Bakhtiari and 21 million dollar Kenny Clark which is ridiculously expensive but again remember you got to keep that in the context of 2023 and if if, you know the general way that this if, if you look at the difference between 2019 and 2020 for example coronavirus aside the it was a 1 million dollar difference so you know a 12 million dollar contract kind of like would have been an 11 million dollar contract so if that generally holds true the difference between 2020 and 2023 is about 3 million so 21 million is kind of similar to in today's dollars you know 18ish which makes it seem a little less crazy and again i don't know what the salary cap situation is going to be like if if there's a spike it might be similar to 15ish if the salary cap is still delayed it might kind of just looked like 20 21 million but again now we're getting to 2023 where it's even more likely that we've we we either don't have aaron Rodgers or we've moved some money around and again if you remember what ken said we might be looking at a restructure for kenny clark in 2022 which means we might be pushing more money back which means in 2023 we've got david bakhtiari that costs money but not necessarily kenny clark see what i'm saying i mean these are these are not anything concrete i'm just kind of giving an example of something that kind of makes sense especially when you're pushing money out over two years which is the general because the first year is 2021 so 2020 is sort of the restructure year and we just leave that alone and then the one push out year is 2021 so i don't know i'm just saying that and that was the reason i had said a while ago we need to get at least somebody's contract done now because we need to be staggering this because otherwise if we get everybody's contract done in 2021 then 2021 is great. 2022 is a nightmare. Everybody's contract spikes. So we've got to stagger this a little bit. And so again, it, this doesn't necessarily speak doom, but it but it also does highlight why a team always wants to kind of move on, right? It's not because they don't like Aaron Rodgers. It's not that they won't pay him if he's still a dominant quarterback, but it, it really speaks to the, the massive benefit of having a guy like I don't know, let's just say Pat Mahomes or wh- whatever, like a rookie quarterback that can play. And why Aaron Rodgers needs to be that much better than Jordan Love, which, of course, at this point, it's it's laughable, right? Jordan Love looks, to be honest, kind of terrible in training camp. And Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. Even on a bad day, you're taking Aaron Rodgers. But again, we're talking 2022, 2023. Even if we learn, I mean, if we learn this year and next year, Jordan Love isn't the guy, maybe they take another swing by this point. You know what I mean? Because now we're getting kind of close to the end of his contract anyway. Whereas in 2020, you might be saying, well, this is a little too early. Why are you pushing him out? By the time we get to 2022, 2023, it's like, we got we to gotta do something here. And then, you know, that that may very possibly, uh, you know, I don't know about very, but it, it may possibly, one option, as impossible as it seems, it is not impossible that Aaron Rodgers gets another contract or a, a slight extension by the Green Bay Packers. It's not. It's not what the Packers want, right? This is this is the difference. When I did my the my one stream with the fan-to-fan network, I talked about how um, Jordan Love may be taking over in the next... I, I said year or two. I shouldn't have said that. I You know, I meant like two years or whatever. But year or two is what came out. So everybody flipped out. Like, what are you talking about? Because apparently outside of Green Bay, which I didn't realize, I thought everybody was buying into the Jordan Love is taking over thing. I didn't realize outside of Green Bay, people didn't even contemplate that. It was a joke that Rodgers would be gone early. But the point is, there's, there's a difference between what reality is, which we don't know, and what the Packers are, are at least working around. They're working toward a goal of having a younger, talented quarterback that doesn't cost as much. Whether or not that materializes, I don't know. But, but just like there's a scenario in which Jordan Love takes over in 2022, there's also a scenario in which we don't have a quarterback. Aaron Rodgers is still playing at a very high level. He still wants to stay in Green Bay and play this game, and we decide to pay him. It's not an impossibility. Again, it's not what the Packers want, but it may be what the Packers do, if that makes sense. Anyways, let's get get after these notes a little bit now. So I got one general offensive note. It basically just says the offense was the clear winner, which is is important because we've seen a lot of notes that the defense seems to be at least a couple steps ahead. Now, it depends on what facet of the game. I think the run game has always been ahead. Um... Maybe not necessarily goal line, but just in general, the the ability to run is is well ahead of the defensive line's ability to stop it. Um, Devonte and Aaron Rodgers is a combo that nobody can stop. But I think outside of that, we've seen the corners usually get the best of the uh, of the wide receivers. We've seen the defensive line, and especially in one on ones and whatnot, getting the better of the offensive line. Which again, it's everything is good and bad. I don't really know how to determine that other than just just take it for what it is right if somebody does well get excited about it and you can kind of start to separate right you start to put things into tiers so you know uh beats up pretty easily on the third string guys okay well that that we we can see who is who doesn't belong on the field with Rashawn gary and who does you know and 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 when Rashawn is beating i shouldn't i'm rattling off the notes but if you hear something like Rashawn is beating david bakhtiari it's like all right so he's a he's starter caliber right (laughs) Whereas other guys are beaten up on on second and third string guys. It's like, all right, well, that's cool. But, you know, what would happen if you went up against Bakhtiari? You would get embarrassed. That's what would happen. Anyways, a bunch of Aaron Rodgers notes. Um, and again, this is, this is I put a lot of real positive stuff in here, but there's really bad throws as well, which it's important context because, you know, we really highlight a lot of the Jordan Love negatives. So when you see something bad with Jordan Love, it's like, oh, great. This guy's a boss. But it's kind of important to also hear Boyle and Rodgers' Throwing really just head-scratchingly terrible throws once in a while because it's just what human beings do. Anyway, stop rambling. Got a lot to talk about. 2010. Aaron Rodgers hits Lazard down the field. Really nice gain. Rodgers on all cylinders early. Uh, wide out to Jones was picturesque. Rodgers hits Lazard up the seam. Gorgeous throw from 12 to 17 on an out route. Aaron Rodgers is dealing again. Three for three on third down. The move the ball drill. 33-yard completion to Lazard blah 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 then you see rogers with a rare miss had aaron jones downfield with a step but rogers overthrew it next note aaron Rodgers still perfect on third down just dropped a perfect pass into Devontae for 18 yards so that's the, the other thing that's a little bit disturbing is a lot of this is i mean granted there's lazar which is cool right i mean he's got his two guys that they're just in rhythm but you start to see a lot of like you know not on the same page with maybe some of the other guys which is kind of the problem we had last year but anyways mvs wide open in the middle in the end zone but rogers sees him late and underthrows the ball incomplete again there's like a force field around mvs that rogers just can't hit the guy and i know you can pull up a highlight look at this pass i get it but you don't see anywhere near the amount of misses to Devontae, and the fact that he's standing still right i mean it's easy to say well he can't gauge his speed which is weird that at the after this period of time you can't gauge his speed but when he's standing still and you can't hit him it's like i don't i don't understand I'm sticking with the force field theory. Um, After a couple first downs, Aaron Rodgers' two-minute drive ends with four straight incompletions. And that was how practice ended. And then Matt LaFleur on Aaron Rodgers' quote, I like how he's playing right now. He's very decisive. He's letting it rip, and he's extremely accurate. Um, Tim Boyle looked pretty good, but uh, outside of a couple incompletions, the only note I put here was Boyle. uh, A lot of his other notes I put with the wide receivers, but Boyle with back-to-back incompletions in two-minute, both high throws. He's human, apparently. So Tim Boyle has been on fire, but um, starting to, to show a couple little cracks. Bunch of Jordan Love uh, stuff, kind of the inverse of Aaron Rodgers. A lot of bad with a couple really good things in there. Jordan Love handles a slightly errant snap. Looks left. Finds Kumro for about 10. Small steps from the rookie quarterback. Bad throw by Love to Irvin on an under route near the goal line. Should have been picked by Stanford Samuel. Nice downfield ball from Love. Hits Sternberger to start live tackling period. This is when the the young guys stayed behind, and the veterans went inside. Uh, good first run for Love. Three of three, 61 yards. Two passes to Sternberger and a nice play-action crosser to Taylor. Jordan Love doing his best Aaron Rodgers by getting the defense to jump. Great hard count. Uh, Love having a nice end of practice today. Just hit Deguara over the middle. Man, that gets me excited. I'm such, I am such—I don't know why I'm such a big Deguara fan. I just am. I'm really amped up for that guy. I should be excited about Jace. He, he was my f- second favorite tight end in that entire class. He was better than anybody in this entire draft class, probably, and I still can't. I, I still just like Deguara. I don't know. I can't understand that. Um, Love feels some pressure, throws a 50-50 ball up. Vernon Scott comes down with it. Next note, another gamble by Love. Throwing late over the middle is almost picked off by a diving Oren Burks. This is what needs to get out of his head. This is exactly the issue. Um, again, if you haven't seen it, go to Pack Daddy NFL, look through my videos, and find the one I did on um, Jordan Love. Now, there's technically two. There's there's one about Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love, comparing them. Then there's one just about Jordan Love. I don't know exactly what I said in each individual video, but the general consensus, I, it, probably the Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love one, because what I had said is both of these guys are are very confident, but in different ways. Jordan Love always believes in his ability that he can get it done, and that can be dangerous. It's great sometimes, it's dangerous other times, where he's like, I I think I could squeeze it in there. Or he's getting pressure, and he's like, I'm still going to throw it. And then he just launches it straight up in the air, and it falls into a safety's arms, right? That's the kind of stuff that's just got to stop. Because as much as I like Jordan Love, that's not fieldable. You cannot put a guy like that out on the field. That, you're, you're going to lose all your games. That's That was the reason why my initial analysis of Jordan Love was Mitch Trubisky. He looks fine, he looks great, real accurate passes, moves the, the ball down the field, and then just throws a what in the world was that pass. Hopefully that can get tweaked. Um, running back, really got to pick up the pace here. Aaron Jones with a really nice run. Uh, read on a run with a big hole generated by the left side of the offensive line. So that would presumably, these are the starters. They're not allowed to say, but let's just assume. So we're talking David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, Corey Lindsley you know, decide that we really like. (laughs) Billy Turner's been pretty good, though, recently. Uh, A.J. Dillon notes, better all around from Dillon in pass pro today. Clean wins the second showdown with Burks. Nice job by Dillon on a zone run. Let's it develop, puts his foot in the ground, and bursts up field. Looks like teaching tape. A.J. Dillon showing he's more than just a power guy today. Displayed great vision on a nifty cut to find daylight to the right side. A.J. Dillon with a drop on a simple crossing route. Remember, he only caught 21 passes in his three years at B.C., that's kind of why, as much as it's great to hear that he can do that, and he's going to be asked to do it once in a while, I don't think the Packers necessarily expect that to be an elite part of his game. Maybe it will. I mean, it's kind of the same with Aaron Jones and Jamal. That was kind of like, I mean, when they first started out, they were not good at that, as much as everyone said they were. They really struggled. I mean, dropping simple passes, now they're both really adept. So I guess I shouldn't doubt uh, Ben Sermons and, and Matt LaFleur and whatnot to get these guys up to speed as receivers. But I, the point is... Clearly, you don't draft a guy with 21 receptions that hasn't done it very much because you expect him to be a top-tier receiving back. I mean, he—he he has. they have a vision for him, and it's not that. Final note, tackle A.J. Dillon at your own risk. Garvin made a nice play, but he was the slower to get up of the two. Yikes. It's going to be great when that happens to somebody not on our own team for once. I shouldn't say that's great. It's not great for people to get hurt, but you know what I'm saying, right? I mean, hey, you're trying to hit Dillon, man. You started it. AJ Dillon just finished it. That's all I'm saying. Jamal Williams. Nice run block from on the right uh, as Williams picks up a chunk. I don't know what what that means necessarily, but a uh, good pass pro rep, essentially. Jamal Williams with an ode to Aaron Jones. Just waved goodbye to a pair of defenders as he accelerated by for a long run. No fine for that in practice, I presume. That's pretty hilarious. Jamal Williams with a clean catch on the outside on a swing pass and a smooth move inside on the defender. I think I mentioned this last time, but as much as Jamal Williams seems like a guy on the outside, he really is kind of a do-everything kind of guy. The unfortunate thing is the one thing he's really not that great at is running the ball. He's fine at it. He's about as average as you can get. He's, he's going to get three yards, and he's got a good amount of thump. So he'll drag some people. But it's just, you know, he just he can run, he can catch, he can block. He really is the full package. So it's, it's not, as much as it seems like an easy decision, he's on the way out. If we pay Aaron, we can't pay him also. That really is a tough decision, and and if he does go somewhere, somebody else is getting a really good running back, and and obviously just a fantastic guy. Uh, a couple Dexter Williams notes, which is exciting. I'm a big Dexter fan. I'm all, there's always certain guys, especially at position groups, that I'm excited about. Every, just about every year, there's especially late round running backs that I really really. Love. I was big on Mays, who got drafted with Jamal, and and uh, I don't know, either way. Big fan of Dexter. Don't know if he's going to become anything, but Boyle ends his session with a nice check down to Dexter Williams, who outruns Chris Barnes for a nice pickup. His acceleration is next level, by the way. Nice run by Dexter Williams, who slips a tip a tackle. That's fun to say. And then our one Tyler Irvin note of the day. The more you see Tyler Irvin in this offense, the more his versatility is reminiscent of Ty Montgomery. Only based on his return ability... Hold on, let me try that again. Only based on his return ability, Irvin might also have more pop. Matt LaFleur might just be the creative offensive mind to take full adv- advantage to. Which is what you'd hope, because there's there's several people, myself included to some degree. I, I wouldn't say it's a foregone conclusion, but you at least are curious, what would Matt LaFleur have done with a Ty Montgomery? Could he have utilized that maybe a little bit better than Mike McCarthy did and, and get the most out of him? He doesn't seem to want that. If you look at the guys that they draft, they're not really getting those kinds of guys. That's why I said Tyler Irvin is, is strange. He's basically just playing his way onto a roster where he doesn't belong, because they just they don't seem to care. I, I And I know that, because I want guys like this. I love these kind of vers- versatile receiving backs. I just think they're exciting, it provides a new dim- dimension, but you know, Brian Gutekunst does not really put a lot of effort into getting those kinds of guys, which is why I'm skeptical that Matt LaFleur will figure it out, but maybe he will. I don't know. Either way, good players are good players. You put him on the field, tell him to make a play, if he can make a play, I mean scheme or not he's making plays oh my goodness I have three minutes to get through the rest of this not gonna happen um let's summarize a little bit Devonte Adams still destroying absolutely everybody Alan Lazard I still believe is the clear number two it's not a foregone conclusion but it it kind of just feels that way it's kind of like Devante where he just goes out and beats everybody that's kind of like what Alan Lazard is doing on a smaller scale so he's kind of just picking up seemingly where he left off, and I do believe it's a battle for that third spot. Largely right now is between MVS and EQ. I don't really believe, I know there's a ton of real big Begleton fans. I just think there's Devontae, then there's Lazard, then there's MVS and EQ, then there's kind of everybody else with, I believe, Kumaro at the bottom. Maybe not necessarily because of his play, but just when you factor in that he's on that bottom tier, as old as he is, as expensive as he's becoming to stick around because he's not just you know a rookie or anything anymore he's actually getting big boy contracts even if they're one year minimums it's still he's more expensive it's it's less anyways you understand Um, but a couple Lazard notes because there's only two and it's fun Lazard got wide open on a deep corner route zone coverage pitch and catch for 12. Lazard uh, let's see third and long rogers hits a wide open alan lazard over the middle for 25 yard gain and a first down. as far as the mvs and eq battle boyle hits mvs and stride off of either a read or design play action Rogers starts two-minute drill with a nice completion to MVS over the middle. EQ note, nice adjustment on a catch by EQ and a third from 12. And here's the other thing to consider. It may not necessarily be a battle between MVS and EQ. They might actually just be different positions. It might be similar to Chandon Sullivan and Josh Jackson to where even if Josh Jackson outplays Chandon Sullivan, Chandon doesn't lose his job because Chandon is a slot corner. He stays in the slot, and Josh Jackson is not competing for that role. Josh Jackson is the number three boundary corner. So if if EQ does does what I've been wanting him to do for a long time primarily become the slot guy like a big slot not that he can't go outside but if that's primarily what they're going to use him as then it's Devante Lazard and EQ not necessarily because EQ is the number three quote-unquote but because he's the slot with MVS being the number three boundary wide receiver because MVS is probably not going to be primarily a slot guy even though everybody kind of plays everywhere once in a while but you get what I'm saying right so it's Devante Lazard MVS EQ being his own position sort of slot guy and then maybe you have one of these guys like Shepard or something compete for the number two slot guy and then a guy like Beggleton is sort of the number four if, if you keep six I don't know how many you're keeping might be five who knows but y- you got to kind of keep that in mind as well where they may have slightly different roles so they're not really directly competing and I don't know that they're going to do that Equinemius wasn't really used in the slot as much as I had hoped they kind of used him um, just as a boundary guy. And there's not going to be as much slot if they're running two wide receivers more often. But either way, then MVS and EQ are not getting that many opportunities. The point is, though, if that is the case, you're going to see a lot more of EQ and M- than MVS. And that doesn't necessarily mean EQ won the job. It just means when you go three wide, it's EQ that goes out because the third guy is going in the slot. Whereas MVS is more of a... Well, obviously, if somebody gets hurt, but then you got kind of a situational thing. If you want the guy that's really fast, you might just have him come out and replace Alan Lazard. So you may see a, a weird situation where it's EQ, MVS, and Devontae. And it's like, well, why would the number two and three be out there, or the number three and four be out there and not the number two? Because you're thinking about it wrong. But, anyways, I did a bad job of summarizing. It's now 501. Uh, love to Sternberger on an out. Love finds DeGuara in the flat, but Burks is right there. First play of team. Big dog, who is Mercedes Lewis, knocks Gary into the ground, and then Tanya again with a great block on Rashan Gary. So Rashan, and we'll get to it. Fantastic. He's been amazing. But it, it, as strange as it is, and I suppose they're they're trying to make him smaller and leaner and faster. This is a guy who we saw as a really good run defender. All of his positive notes are now as a pass rusher, and he's just getting annihilated in the run game. So we're kind of, we're gaining ground somewhere and seemingly losing ground somewhere else. When you have, I mean, I, I can forgive you if you get beat up by Mercedes Lewis, but on the on the next play, if you get buried by Robert Tanyan, no disrespect, but you're Rashawn Gary. What is he, 265 pounds right now? Athletic freak? And Robert Tanyan put you on your back? I mean, you gotta, you gotta tighten that up, bro. Like, for real. For real, for real. Uh, Elton Jenkins abuses Delonte Scott. Billy Turner apparently is doing a fantastic job at right tackle in the absence of Rick Wagner, which is really exciting. One thing I mentioned about Billy Turner, generally the way that I see it is if you're, you know, it's harder to play tackle than guard, and I know they're just different positions, so maybe I shouldn't look at it that way, but my assumption is if you're pretty good at guard you're going to be not very good at, t- at playing tackle because your job just got harder one thing i noticed about billy turner although he's not great anywhere i mean he's had streaks and i mentioned that when i did a breakdown of billy turner he's had some streaks where he's really really good what i said about him is that it's very strange that he's not worse at tackle than he is at guard he's about the same guy at guard as he is at tackle and if anything he's a little bit better at tackle than guard it seems weird and counterintuitive but it's kind of a thing with him now, this is still training camp, and I would be horrified if he was our right tackle, because I don't think he would be all that good. But that is worth noting, because for those of you that default to thinking the way I do, if he's bad at guard, he's going to be horrific at tackle. I don't. That may, that may still be the case, but that hasn't been the case in his career, because he has been sort of a guard-tackle hybrid, and he just kind of gets moved around the offensive line at will, at, at all the different places he's been. Uh, Lane Taylor... Beat Kenny Clark twice in one-on-ones, so fantastic job by him. Uh, and then John Runyon had a meeting with the 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 people, the interview, whatever. Said he's been a left guard every rep at camp, so again, 53 people, that's a note for you. He's he's your backup left guard, apparently. Um, also says he hopes he's not being annoying to the offensive lineman, Bakhtiari Taylor-Turner. Trying to listen to everything they say, so he's just being a sponge, that's cool. Uh, defense, Kenny Clark with a stop on Jamal Williams. Clark comes through for a would-be sack on Rogers. Ten period. So Clark is kind of like Devontae, outside of losing twice to Lane Taylor. Which, by the way, let's also keep in mind, the default is a win by the offense, right? Generally, that's the default. Remember what I said about it in a game: if you give up four sacks on, you know, thirty reps, so let's say there's thirty snaps, and it's you stay in one position, and it's you against a, a tackle. If you get three sacks, that means you won three times and lost 27 times. Not necessarily, there's still hurries and whatnot, but the point is, the offense, you're going to look at those stats and say, you got destroyed, that tackle got destroyed by the pass rusher, even though he lost most of the time, because the default is that the defense loses, in terms of at at least pass rush, right? So, keep that in mind. Maybe not necessarily win-loss, that's kind of more of a 50-50 thing, but actually getting a pressure, I guess, I don't know um let's see kingsley oh dean lowry first throw of team lowry had a would-be sack on rogers kiki blows past conway conway wins round two that's cody conway for those that don't know so it doesn't really mean much that kiki's beating him or at least beat him one however next note says kingsley kiki's having a nice camp impressive in the pass rush and just knife through for a tackle for a loss with the offense backed up keep in mind kingsley kiki is built like a pass rusher he's real long and lean he is way better as a run defender than he is as a pass rusher, so this is a good note because that's an area he needs to develop in. Um, Willington Pavilion, I mentioned that note. Zedarius Patrick uh, says Z Beasts Patrick, but Patrick stuffs him around too. I don't know if that's supposed to be bests, but Beasts sounds cool, so we'll, we'll ride with that. Zadarius being an absolute nuisance, making noise on the sideline during team drills. First team all-camp heckler. Now the Rashawn Gary notes, lots of them. Gary lightning fast around LeGlue two times, two easy wins. Gary with an easy win against Conway. Now Conway bounced back for win in round two, but a cheer from the offensive line. Rashawn Gary scoots around Alex Light for what would have been a sack on third down. Rashawn Gary with a little pressure working against Bakhtiari. That's the closest David Bakhtiari has come to allowing a pressure that I've seen. Now remember, this did happen last year. There were two guys that could beat Bakhtiari, Rashawn Gary and Zadarius. Those are the only two guys, and it happened a lot last year. We saw how good Zadarius is. Rashan has that ability. He hasn't been able to quite put it all together, even though, again, his pressures and all that were fine. But, I mean, he's he's got that ability to beat anybody in front of him. It's not like some guys where if you're bad enough, I'll abuse you. But if you're really, really talented, I probably won't. That that was, um, Kyler Fackrell was kind of that way. That one year where he had a ton of sacks, he, he kind of just beat everybody with speed because he's a pretty quick guy. So if you get kind of a flat-footed tackle, he would just, uh, uh, that's why he had like three sack games. You know, he had like two games where he had three sacks, which, you know, you start to accumulate sacks pretty quickly that way. But there were entire games where he got washed out because, you know, you get a good enough, uh, agile enough tackle, he's not going to fall for that nonsense. Rashad isn't built that way. He doesn't have, you know, that one thing that he's going to be able to dominate. In fact, I think that's where he lacks is having those kind of pass rush moves and counters and whatnot. But he's just raw ability right now. Which is kind of what D. Ford was when Mike Smith kind of made him into what he was. He took a draft bus with a ton of upside and potential and taught him how to use that potential to become one of the better pass rushers in football. Anyways, continuing on, uh, now Gary with a sack against Billy Turner. By my count, that's three sacks Rashawn Gary would have had in team drills today if tackling the quarterback was allowed. Rodgers incomplete to Adams, some pressure from Gary versus Bakhtiari. John Runyon Jr. played with Rashad Gary at Michigan. Also, this is a note on the interview. Um, Trained with him this summer. Quote, he's setting himself for a spectacular second year. So Rashad Gary just abused everybody. He had multiple pressures and sacks, beat Bakhtiari twice, embarrassed uh, Billy Turner and Alex Light and Cody Conway and LeGlue. He's an impressive guy. It was a long episode. Uh, Jonathan Garvin working out with different position group that you might expect. That's actually from two days ago, but I wanted to keep that in because it's interesting. They can't say they're not allowed to say which one, but he's an edge rusher, so he's either playing inside or he's playing at linebacker. So uh, Tim Williams had two wins. Tippa Galea continues his dominant stretch. Tippa with two wins versus Zach Johnson, easy. Tippa is absolutely abusing Zach Johnson. Tippa with probably a sack of Love, but Love threw one of his best passes of camp to sternberger down the sideline so he's beaten up on so so this is an example of he he's a better player than where he's currently playing he's playing against like the number three they need to bump him up a little bit and see what he can do because presumably this is a situation where you put him against bakhtiari bakhtiari just throws him on his head he's like 235 pounds or something but you know, if, if if there's a chance he could make the roster and can be that good, let's see what his let's see what his full potential is. Let's get him up the depth chart and really start putting some pressure on him and see what this guy can do. Because we might have just struck gold. It's unlikely, but it's possible. And let's let's find out. Uh, Ramsey with a nice rush against Alex Light. Who cares? Christian Kirksey, who's been kind of quiet lately. There was one note. Rogers tried to hit Devontae up the seam, but luckily Kirksey can't hang on. Should have had an interception. So it was a drop, but hey, he was in position and coverage. Good enough. The real highlight at linebacker has been ever since they started talking about there's a competition at linebacker, Ty Summers, Oren Burks, and Kamal Martin have been the highlight, specifically Kamal Martin, though um let's see i think the packers found a player in kamal martin another good day for the rookie kamal martin shoots through the line and stuffs jamal williams behind the line that the rookie has flashed kamal martin will have to prove it on sunday but he's been a real deal in camp just knife through for two or three yard loss and right after stopped aguara on a screen he's been all over the place martin avoids dexter williams pickup for a sack of love forcing incompletion on the pass then they he met with uh, the media Big smile when Kamal Martin asked uh, the knee that bothered him last season at Minnesota that required surgery uh, when asked how that feels. He says it's been good since around draft time. It's shown on the field during practice. So that's also something to keep in mind. He had an injured knee in when he played for Minnesota uh final note this is from john runyon but it's about kamal martin says john runyon jr doesn't remember playing kamal martin in the big 10 but he's been impressed with his fellow rookie in camp quote he's a downhill linebacker he's gonna throw his body weight at you he's fast he can run sideline to sideline which is really just shocking to me because i never saw him as a kamal martin guy as a kamal martin guy listen to me i need to just go away as a sideline to sideline guy um Ty Summers has laid a couple of big hits in the thud-only period, which is which is good, right? When you know a guy can do one thing, which is Oren Bur- or Ty Summers and Oren Burks are both speed guys, when you start hearing things like thump, that's what they needed to work on, so that's good. Uh, Oren Burks always looks smooth in coverage. Burks shot out of a cannon on a blitz, looks like he would have had a sack on Boyle. Oren Burks just had a tackle for a loss to start uh, the next move the ball which is kind of disheartening that he's playing up against, you know, Tim Boyle and whatnot. Presumably he was with the Ones once in a while. Some of these notes may have been about that. Maybe against Dylan, but probably not. Because you want to know what, what Oren Burks, who is the... Well, maybe not. Maybe Kamal Martin's already taken that role. I'm fine with it. I don't know. Whatever. Cornerbacks now, Jair. Uh, stride for stride with Adams and picked off Rodgers along the sideline on his first rep. Now that was super exciting to hear. He it, Basically, as it went on, Jair just got abused by Devontae. It sounds like, and, and I remember this from last year, Jair basically said, I want Devontae. He took him, and he wouldn't give that spot up. He wanted to go up against the best. He took that spot. He got abused, but, you know, he hung in there. So that basically continued, but the very first play of team period yesterday, Jair gets a pick on uh, Aaron Rodgers trying to go to Devontae, so that was very, very cool. Uh, note on Chandon, two good reps from Chandon Sullivan. First got beat deep by Lazard, but recovered and broke it up, then stayed with Irvin on a double move. Not easy to force a completion. So pretty cool, especially when you're when you're getting beat and can get that that uh, makeup speed. Part of that probably has to do with Lazard not being exactly the fastest guy in the world, but still good to see it. Josh Jackson, who has been dominant for the last like week now. Couple notes on him. Josh Jackson with a nice pass breakup with sticky coverage on Beggleton, incomplete from Boyle. Jackson consistent consistent consistency physical in camp i'm guessing that's supposed to be consistently physical in camp josh jackson made a play to stop tim boyle's drive on third and nine sat on reggie beckleton's route underneath reached around knocked away the pass without making contact jackson having a solid camp again working against the twos but seemingly having no issues hanging in there and then there's my guy the surprise um if you listen to the unknown packers interview yesterday my one um, kind of surprise guy that might make the roster was stanford samuels couple notes on him stanford samuels almost and should have picked off jordan love in the end zone stanford with a nice blitz off the edge uh, samuels interception off of boyle to stop the two-minute drive pass was tipped at the line defense wins that round with a nice turnover uh safeties adrian amos rogers throws the ball right to adrian amos but amos drops it lucky break for the offense so that's one of those where nobody did anything right <laughs> Bad throw from the quarterback and your defense dropped an interception, but whatever. And then Vernon Scott, and I kind of mentioned this already, but Jordan Love, who was prone to taking too many chances just through a jump ball. Vernon Scott played perfectly and picked it off. So good to hear. If you remember, early on, Vernon Scott was the guy that kind of didn't know where to stand and wasn't really figuring stuff out. But once the play started, he was just all over the place making plays. So it's kind of cool that that's more or less continued, even though there hasn't been that many notes. When there's a jump ball, guess who's there? It's Vernon Scott, the guy who puts himself in the right spot and is just out making plays. Finally, special teams. Hunter Bradley with a bad snap. Crosby misses the extra point. You hate to see it. Um, J.K. Scott, tons of notes about him just absolutely destroying the football. Uh, first one, J.K. Scott booming punts in Lambeau, real field flippers. J- J.K. Scott has looked great in punting period, just boomed his last effort 54 yards. Scott punted 10 times, 5 went 50-plus yards. J.K. Scott uh, with with dome bombs out on Lambeau. Man, the terminology is just beautiful, isn't it? I, I really despise Packers Twitter with some of the nonsense that they say. Some of it I just can't stomach. You know, like, you know, fire and carry the G and stuff, just makes me sick but dome bombs i can get into dome bombs i'm good with that that's t-shirt worthy right there i dig that says at least five of five off 55 yards or more with at least five 4.5 hang time. So this guy's saying five of his 10 punts went at least 55 yards and had more, or you know, five had at least more than 4.5 hang time, which is fantastic. Crosby misses two of four in kicking drill, a PAT, and one from 48 yards. We know the PAT wasn't his uh, fault. That was from a bad snap. Anyways, I am way, way over time. Sorry again for the angry tirade in the beginning but I got through it and we got to the Packers eventually just, just just had to work through it man otherwise uh you know folks have a fantastic day again no training camp so send in questions if you got them otherwise I will uh, continue on with whatever it is I feel like talking about I'll talk to you later have a good one bye